The Bible says that we need to give attention to our spirit, soul, and body, for weakness in one of these areas affects other areas. This message is the fifth in the series, I Will Grow Stronger. The message is entitled, Grow Your Spirit. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, if you will, as we continue our series entitled, I Will Grow Stronger. And I want to talk to you this weekend about growing your spirit. How do you become strong in spirit? When Jesus brought you into his kingdom, he brought you into a relationship with God to create purpose for your life, to create a blessed life for you. And this is described many places, but one of those places is John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he will do to your life. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That little phrase, more abundantly, is a very significant phrase because it's not just an abundant life, it is a more abundant life. Jesus came to give you more of a life than you could ever have apart from him. And so in this series, we're talking about how to step into this more life. Because while Jesus promises this to us and provides it for us, there are commitments that we must make, there are decisions that we must make in life that will put us on the pathway to the more abundant life. You have choices that will guide you in that direction. One of those choices is the choice to say, I will grow stronger. I'm going to become a strong person in my faith, a strong person in my relationship with God. If you do not gain strength in your spiritual journey, you will miss the more life that God has for you. And so this decision is critical. It is so vital. I will grow stronger. Say it together with me. I will grow stronger. And one of the areas where you need to grow strong is in your spirit. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. In fact, it's a prayer that he prayed. I'm going to ask you to circle some words as we go through this. He says, I pray that from his, that's God's, glorious unlimited resources, that he, God, will empower you with inner strength. Would you circle that phrase? With inner strength through his spirit. Paul says, one of my prayers for you on a consistent basis is that in the deepest part of your being, in your innermost being, there will be strength. You will be strong in spirit, strong in spirit. Now, what does it mean to be strong in spirit? Let me draw a little diagram here for you. When God made you and me, he created us in his image. There are three parts to your being, just like God is one but three, three in one, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're made in his likeness, and there are three dimensions to you. That's your spirit, which is the deepest part of your inner being. That's where you relate to God. That's where God relates to you down in the depths of your being, your spirit. And then there is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And both your spirit and your soul are eternal. They will last forever. Your spirit and soul, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, when you die, they go to be in the presence of God. Jesus said, I prepared a place for you. And so the place is for those that know him. And so if you know Christ, then your spirit and soul are secure for eternity. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, that is the way, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life to the Father, then we spend an eternity separated from God. Nothing worse than you could imagine than to spend all eternity separated from the God that created you. 
And so as believers in Jesus Christ, we have this eternal portion of our being, our spirit and our soul. And then, of course, you carry your spirit and soul around in your body. And your body is important. We'll talk in this series about the significance of your body. In a few weeks, we'll be discussing that. But your body is the tent. You're going to lay it aside one day. It's not going to go with you to heaven. In fact, the good news is one day you'll get a brand new glorified body. Anybody looking forward to that day, right? I've already put my order in. How about you, okay? So there'll be a day that you'll tra- your, this body will disappear. You'll have a glorified body that you'll experience. So we'll have the eternal capacity. But this body is limited in time and space and place. But the important thing for us, if we're going to be all that God wants us to be, is to make sure that we are strong, especially in spirit. Why is this important? Because this is the core of who you are. Your spirit affects who you are in your soul. It affects how you live your life in your body. And so strength in your spirit is vital. How do you become strong in spirit and why is it important? Perhaps my, an analogy I might give to you will help you to see this. It's like a basketball. I think of it in these terms. If you've ever had a basketball, a soccer ball, any ball that required inflation and had it to lose air, you realize that a basketball without air is useless, isn't it? Can't bounce it, can't do much of anything with a soccer ball without air is useless. It's only when you inflate it that that ball gains strength and has the capacity to bounce, to respond. And the same is true with you as a person, that if you are missing strength in your spirit, you can't bounce back from the things that will come your way in life. You have nothing on the inside to carry you through what life will deal you. And life can be tough at times. And you need something that provides resiliency on the inside, something that puts the air in the basketball of your spirit and soul, and that air is the power of the Holy Spirit gaining strength in your spirit. God wants you to be strong in spirit. So there's a bounce, a resiliency to your life. Now, how does this happen? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy these words in 1 Timothy chapter 4 that I think provides us sort of a framework today to talk about how to gain strength in spirit. Let me read it for you. I'm going to read from the message paraphrase. In fact, why don't we all read it together? I think it's a great verse for all of us to read aloud and loudly all of our campuses. Why don't we read? Here we go. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. Notice that little phrase, a disciplined life in God. That key word there is disciplined. And the idea of discipline involves another concept or word and that we've been using in this series. It's the word exercise. Because when you go to the gym, you go to the gym not, not just to hang out and watch videos. You go to the gym to actually exercise, right? A lot of folks go to the gym and walk around and watch other people exercise. They get no benefit from that at all. It's only when you engage in some kind of exercise that you're going to get stronger. And so the Apostle Paul says, workouts in the gymnasium are useful to your body as if you do the exercise, but a disciplined life in God that is doing your spiritual exercises is far more valuable and far more important. It will make you strong in your spirit. It'll build you up on the inside. So getting strong in your spirit involves doing the right exercises. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three exercises that will build you up in your spirit. I'm going to be extremely practical today. 
you'll have something that you can take home with you that, will, that you can actually begin the process of exercise with if you'll do these three things. Number one, the first thing that is essential if you're going to be strong in spirit is you need to pray every day. Prayer. How often? Help me out, church. How often? Every day. Your relationship with God is the single most important relationship in your life. No one or nothing is more important than Him. Because if your relationship with God falters in any way, if you are missing that relationship or if it begins to slip in any manner, all your other relationships will slip as well. And the quality of your relationship with God will be determined by the consistency and depth of your communication with Him. And the good news about God is that God has made himself available to us. He is available anytime you want to talk to him, 24-7, 365. I've never dialed up God and got a busy signal. I've never tried to have a, a moment with God that he said, you know what, come back tomorrow. Now that happens with people because we're not omnipresent, don't have the capacity of God, but it certainly never happens with God. God is available all the time, but he puts the responsibility on us as to whether we will lean into him because he is the greater, we are the lesser. He is the strong one, we are the weaker one. And so it's up to us to lean into him in communication, to lean into Him in relationship. It is a valuable principle to grasp in life. He said, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Call on me and I will answer you. So there's this responsibility that we have to lean toward God, to call on God, to talk to God. And talking to God is not about fulfilling and prayer is not about fulfilling some religious ritual or some duty list that you have every day. Okay, I did that. Let me check that off my list. It's about building your relationship with Him. And when you move beyond the point of saying, I have to pray to I want to pray, then you're on the right track. I want to spend time with God every day. Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray... Notice he said when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their, their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. This is the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's in the New Living Translation. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So Jesus said there's some, there's some dimensions to prayer that will build your spirit, that will build your relationship with God. So what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to talk to you about how you can begin to build a daily pattern of prayer in your life. How can you pray effectively every day in such a way that your spirit is benefited by it, that your spirit gets stronger? So here's some things you need to do. Number one, set a time to pray. Do you have a time every day that's your prayer time? I'm not talking about just prayers you sort of shoot up from time to time, but a dedicated time every day that is your time with God. On my calendar still to this day, after all these many years of a devotional life, I still put on my calendar my time every day with God. 
The reason I do that is not because I need that as a reminder. I, I'm just making a statement, a priority statement that God, every day, I'm going to spend time with you. When I look at my calendar, it's there every day. Now you say, well, I don't know if I have time. Here's the problem. Often we think that it's got to be a great amount of time. And some folks never start because they think as though they've got to spend hours every day praying. It's like if you were going to become a runner and thought the first day you had to run a marathon. No, you don't. You don't have to start with a marathon. What you start with is something that, you, that is doable in your life. And it might be three minutes. It might be five minutes. It might be ten minutes. But there's a dedicated time every day. I would much prefer, in my experience and training Christians over the years, I would much prefer see someone spend five minutes every day praying than 30 minutes or an hour once a week because the consistency is extremely valuable in your life. And so I believe that every person here can find at least five minutes a day to pray. If you search for it, you can find it. So set a time, then create a space and a place. Where, where are you going to pray? And so Jesus said, go into the door, go into the closet and shut the door. You need a private place where you can open your heart to God. I don't know where that is for you, but maybe it's in your car driving to work. It's a great place to pray. Maybe it's when the kids go to bed. You can go to a separate room or just pull aside from everybody else and put your phone away and put all those distractions away and turn the television off and say, I'm going to spend this amount of time, just five minutes or ten minutes with God in prayer. Create a space and a place. And thirdly, don't be, don't be religious. Be real when you pray. A lot of folks think that when I pray, I've got to pray something like this. Oh, thou hast God in highest heaven, hearest thou me. Okay. And God says, who, who are you talking to? Okay. We get into these religious things that we have to be really religious. You don't have to be religious when you pray. You just have to talk to God. That's all it is. And when you realize that I can be real with God, if you don't believe that you can be real with God, read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is full of very real prayers that David and others would pray to God. And so just be real with God. Then follow a prayer plan. Jesus said, pray like this. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Many times I've taught on the the principles of the Lord's Prayer, I'm not going to do that today. I, I'm sure that I will do it again in the future. But I want to give you a very simple prayer plan that you can use every day of your life. And it can you, you, easily you can pray five to ten minutes every day with this prayer plan that I'm going to give you in a way that will be non-religious and very effective. How many of you uh, have seen pictures before of praying hands? Have you seen the pictures before of praying hands? What do they look like? Help me out. Come on, everybody do this if you will. Put your notes down for a moment and do this. I'm going to teach you with the illustration of your praying hands how to pray effectively every day. Go ahead and put that on the screen. Is it there? Okay, great. Left hand, right hand together, okay? Well, some of you are really obedient. You did the clap and everything. That's awesome. Good. That's great. Left hand is who to pray for. Right hand is what to pray. Who and what, okay? Very simple. Start with the left hand. <clears throat> Who to pray for? What's closest? What finger is closest to you? Your thumb, right? And what is it closest to? Your heart, right? And so the first thing who you pray for, pray for people who are closest to your heart, your family, your friends, the people that you love, that you have meaningful relationships with. So you start your prayer, God, I'm going to pray today for, and begin to pray for the people that are closest to your heart. The next thing to pray for, notice this finger. What is that finger often used for? 
pointing, exactly right. So you pray for people who are helping point the way in your life. Pray for your pastor. Pray for those that are over you, that are leading you and guiding you and helping you to learn things that you need to learn, that God would give them wisdom and that God would use them to help point the way in your life and give you the guidance and direction that are necessary, that is necessary for your life. The longest finger, and don't make me show it to you, okay, please, okay. But the longest finger on your hand represents extension or it represents influence. And so you pray for the people in our world who have influence. There are people all around the world that have great influence. How many know that Hollywood has influencers? May not be good, but we ought to be praying for Hollywood. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had more godly influencers in Hollywood? Amen? turning out movies and films that actually have some redemptive value to them. Wouldn't it be wonderful in the entertainment industry if we had, if we had uh, songwriters and, and artists that were turning out godly stuff or things that built character in other people instead of all the garbage and trash that's being turned out. Start praying for people like that. Wouldn't it be, God, wouldn't it be wonderful if our politicians led us in the ways of God? See, these are things that we pray for influencers, okay? So you pray for the people that are closest to you. You pray for for the people that are helping point the way in your life that God would use them to guide you and teach you and direct you. Pray for the influencers. And then this, this next finger is called your ring finger. It's the weakest finger on your hand. And so you pray for, who do you pray for? You pray for the people who are weak. Those that are going through trouble and difficulty, you may know them by name or you may know of the challenges people are facing. And so you pray for people who are weak and struggling in their life, sick going through times of bereavement, whatever it might be. And then what's the, the smallest finger on your hand all about? It's that little pinky and you pray for yourself, okay? So put yourself last, okay? Don't put yourself first, okay? All of us, we go to God and, oh God, help me with this and help me with that and help me with the other thing. And by the time we're done praying, we haven't prayed for anybody else except ourselves. So you include yourself last, okay? So you say, now I'm going to pray for me. Now, what do I pray for me? Let's go to the right hand. Are you ready? Everybody with me so far? Okay. Very simple plan. So you go to your right hand, and again, what, what's, where's the thumb? It's closest to what? Your heart. So you pray for your heart. God, I'm asking that you'll help me to keep my heart clean. That God, you'll clean my heart out of stuff that I shouldn't allow in. See, the devil, when he starts to work in your life, you know what he goes after first? your heart. Why? Because he knows if he can get in your heart. So the Bible says, guard your heart above all things for out of it flow the issues of life. So God, clean out my heart. God, protect my heart. God, show me things in my heart that I need to know are there. And then your pointing finger. Let it be about your priorities. God, help me to keep my priorities straight. Because if my priorities get messed up, then I'm going to be messed up. What, are my, what, are, what should I be focusing on in my life, in my work, in my family? What is the focus that I need to give attention to? And so what's that's the pointing dimension of your life? And then pray for your influence, that your influence for the kingdom would grow, that God would use you in greater measure. And then again, you come to the ring finger and just like other people have weakness in their life, you have weakness. And so you pray for your weaknesses. You say, well, I don't have any. That's your weakness, okay? Everybody has some weakness that God's trying to help you with right now. And you've got to be aware of them and begin to bring them to God. And then your, your, your final, your little finger on that hand, let it be a reminder to pray for your needs, your physical needs, your material needs. It's appropriate to pray for physical and material needs. Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. So you pray for those things. So anytime you kneel down to pray, let me know you can pray at least five minutes a day, praying like that, amen?
It's a really simple way to do it. So each time you kneel to pray, you may not continue this pattern, but it will get you started, okay? It'll get you moving in a good direction, okay? Let's go to the next one. The next thing you do is you listen for life lessons. While you're praying, you stop for a moment and listen and try to let God speak to you, and then you pray throughout your day. You don't walk out of your prayer closet and forget God. You take God with you into your day, and you breathe prayers throughout your day. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray all the time or pray without ceasing. So prayer builds your spiritual muscles. Prayer will grow you in strength where in your spirit. Number two, the second thing to build your spirit is to take time to eat. Spiritually feed yourself. One of the stages of development for children is that stage when they move beyond being fed to to feeding themselves. And somewhere, I'm guessing around the age of one, one and a half, two years of age, they're starting the process of using a little spoon and going into their food and and getting the food somewhere in the proximity of their mouth, usually somewhere around the edges along the way. But they're learning the process of feeding themselves. Now, you don't mind helping them out when they're little, feeding them, of course, that's a responsibility we have as parents. But if they're still 30 and you're having to feed them, there's a problem somewhere, right? So they grow up into self-feeding, and what God wants to happen in your life is that He wants you to grow into the capacity to be a self-feeder. And self-feeding spiritually, this is the feeding process, so prayer and feeding, this feeding process has two dimensions to it. Let me talk about these two dimensions. Dimension number one is feeding together with the family. See, when we come together in church, what you must understand about church is that this gathering we're having this weekend in all of our campuses really is a time where we are feeding together. We have come together for a family meal. And when you come together for a family meal, it means that somebody else has prepared the food for you. Somebody else is serving the food to you. And so that's what happens in church. I spend a portion of my week as your pastor trying to get a word from God, trying to have something that I can feed you on the weekends and to share. So I prepare meals. That's my job as your pastor to prepare a meal for you. When you get your little handout every week, that's your plate, okay? It's something you have before you, and it's my job to feed you spiritually. Number the one, the one, the, the, one of the, number, the top things that God will judge me for when I stand before him, did I feed my church well? Did I bring them a good, solid diet of God's word? But you must understand that you will not benefit from a family meal if you're not at the table. You got to come to the table. That's why being at church is so important in your life. That when you come to church, you're saying, I'm coming to the family table. I believe that God has helped our pastor to give us something that will feed us this week, that will challenge us this week. And you, so you come anticipating with appreciation the meal that has been prepared for you and then diving in and eating it. It makes a difference in your life. Notice Hebrews 10 verse 25. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching or coming. And so this is family meal time. Why don't you turn to your your friend beside you there and just tell him, welcome to the family table. Just tell him, welcome to the family table. That's where you are today. But I will tell you, you need to eat more than once a week, right? If all you do is eat one time a week, 
You're going to be emaciated, and you can't expect to come to church and get everything that you need at church. You ought to be at church. You ought to come when the meal's prepared. It ought to be a high priority on your life. You need to say, I'm not going to miss church unless something absolutely keeps me away. I'm going to be in God's house. However, you need there are six more days out of the week where you need food. And so who's going to feed you? I cannot come to everybody's house every week, every day. I say, okay, here I am. I'm home delivery. No. Now, we provide resources for you. There's a video devotional that I do every day during the week, and they're all kind of blogs that we do and resources of that nature, and that's beneficial to you. But you've got to, you've got to be the eater, if you will, at home. You've got to pull up to your own table. You've got to lay some things before you. You've got to feed yourself during the week. So how does that happen? Let me mention some things very quickly. Of course, you've got to have the time and place. We've talked about that. And then second of all, you have to decide on a devotional plan. This is what I want to talk about just for a moment here. A devotional plan, some folks will refer to it as a quiet time. I'm not as, fam- I'm not as uh, fond of the word the phrase quiet time as I am devotional because quiet time implies we're just kind of getting along and being quiet. No, devotional is really tapping into God, de- de- coming to a place of devotion with God. How do you do devotions? Again, you're going to pray, give him at least five minutes a day, and then you're going to spend time in his word at least five minutes. So that's ten minutes out of your day. You say, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. You can find ten minutes in your day to give to God. Is God worthy of ten minutes of your day? Oh, he's the one giving you life and breath. He's worth far more than that. But if you're getting started on the journey, you can find, everybody here can find 10 minutes every day. Again, it might be in your car driving. You can make that your altar time. And instead of listening to negative news, you're you're spending time with God. You can find some time turning off the television, 10 minutes, and spending time. You can find that time every day. But how do you do it? When you have that time, I'm going to study God's Word. What does this look like? How do I do it? I'm going to give you some options here, some ways to think about it. I've got to go through this very, very quickly. One way is to read through the Bible in a year. Your annual reading Bible, annual Bible reading plans. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing to do. It's always good to read through the Bible. But sometimes those plans tend to focus on quantity of reading as opposed to quality of reading. So I'm just reading a bunch of verses just to get me through the Bible reading plan. And that's a good thing to do, kind of supplementary maybe to your devotions. Here's how I do it. You don't have to do it the way I do it. I'm just telling you how I do it. Is that okay? It's going to tell you how I do my devotions. Okay. The way I do my devotions is I do read through the Bible, but I read through the Bible very slowly. Okay. Like right now, in my own personal devotional life, I'm in the book of 1 Samuel, okay? and I'm in the book of 1 Corinthians, one, one book in the Old Testament and one book in the New Testament. And I, and I read these practically every day, okay? And it's not for Bibles. I'm not preparing messages. This is just me and God talking to God, God talking to me about my life, okay? And as I read, like in 1 Samuel or 1 Corinthians, where I'm at right now, I'll just, I, read, I read to feed. Say that with me. I read to feed. That's my whole approach. And I read to feed. I read through, and for some days I might read five chapters in each book, or I might read two verses. You know, this week, uh, as I'm thinking back over my devotional time this week, 
I think about four out of the six days this week, or whatever days I did this week, I think I, most of the days I only read about one or two verses that was enough to feed me. I stopped and said, whoa, that's, I need to stop there and think about that. Because I'm reading not for quantity, I'm reading for quality. I'm reading for what is this going to say to me? And that's a devotional plan. And by the way, if you're going to do that, you need a good translation of the Bible. Uh, for most folks today, I don't encourage you to try to read the old King James Version, okay? Uh, the New King James is better. The New Living Translation is a good translation. The New International Version are good translations. All of these are different translations of the Hebrew and the Greek that puts it in language that you can understand. So I would recommend that if you're going to do a Bible reading plan. There are also devotional guides, great devotional guides out there. I've written three devotional guides. Another one will be coming out in a few months. It's called Espresso for the Spirit. And it's just about a five-minute reading every day. They'll focus you on a scripture verse. And devotional guides are valuable too. But do something. Everybody say do something, okay? Do something. If it's just reading a verse or reading a few verses, you do something that will get you started for at least five minutes a day. All right? The next thing that's important to do is to ask God to bless your time of study when you're reading the Bible or doing a devotional reading. Say, God, help me. It's great to have the author in the room when you're reading a book, isn't it? The good news is when you're reading the Bible, the author is with you. Invite him to, to breathe upon your time. And then read, reflect, and apply. I'm going to give you some words here. Everybody still with me so far? All right, good. All right. When you're reading to feed, as you're reading through, you're going to ask yourself some questions. What am I reading? What did this Bible verse just say? What was before it? What was after it? What is this all about? So you get the content and context. At least you have some comprehension. And so you start with asking the question, okay, I read love is patient, love is kind. What is this all about? What is it? Where does it fit? And what Paul was writing there, what is it? What is the verse? And then so what? Why is this important? I know what I just read. Love is patient. Love is kind. Well, so what? What's the big deal about this? Oh, wow. Yeah, it is a big deal. That leads you to application. And that is the third question to ask yourself as you read. That is, now what? Okay? So you're reading your Bible. What did I just read? Okay? I'm going to stop and think about what I read there. And then... So what? Why is this important? And then now what? When I get up from reading this, now what am I going to do differently because I just read it? So this is a way that you bring application to your Bible reading because here's the key. You don't want to, devotional reading is not just about getting you more information about the Bible. It is leading you to revelation about the Bible. So there's application in your life that leads to transformation, okay? So the information becomes revelation that becomes application application that becomes that becomes transformation can you say that back to me probably not okay but you got the idea right because it's only what you what is revealed to you get it oh now i see that and then now here's what i'm going to do with it and then it transforms your life and then the next couple of things as we're moving forward here is to make sure that you write down some things i'm a big believer in journal writing i could talk about that and will some other time review what you're learning share what you've been learning with other people there are a whole bunch of verses there that i've given you about the value of feeding yourself that you can take time to read on your own let me take you to the third and final thing that is essential if you want a strong spirit how many of you want to be strong in spirit let me see your hands come on do you want to be strong in spirit the third thing that you have to do is this, selflessly and sincerely 
and when possible, secretly serve someone every day. So you pray, you feed, and what's the third one? What's the word again? You serve. One of the biggest enemies in your life, in my life, is the enemy of our selfish self. Everybody has one. At the core of our being and our self, we are selfish. And when you and I live based upon our selfish self, when we think about self, it makes us weaker, makes us smaller. Anytime you focus on you and you only, it shrinks your life. But to become spiritually stronger, you have to address, you have to challenge your selfish self. And one of the best ways to put to death your selfish self is by doing something every day that truly serves someone else in some way that, is, that you get no benefit from. That it's not about you, but you're doing something for the benefit or, or sake of someone else that you're not looking for applause from. In fact, you're even happier if nobody knows about it. That you say, okay, I, it's not about me. I'm going to serve this person. I hope they don't even know what I just did for them that blesses them. And in fact, I don't, I don't want them to know because I just want to make their life easier. I want to be a blessing to them. And so it gets you outside of you because most of the time you're looking for people to do stuff for you instead of you thinking about what can I do for someone else. And notice what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4 verse 10. Each of you should use... Circle that word use. You use something, it means you're doing something with it. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received for what purpose? To do what? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so when God gave you giftings in your life, they're not about you. Your gifts are not about you. If you're all, ups, all up, uptight about somebody recognizing you and recognizing your gifts, you don't get it because your gifts were given to you for the sake of serving other people. Notice Hebrews 13, verse 16. Don't forget to do good things for others and to share what you have with them. These are the kinds of sacrifices that please God. In fact, the writer says, don't forget. It is so easy to forget to do good things for others. And in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Jesus said, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven when you give to someone in need. Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything, what will He do? He will reward you. What is Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying, when you give, when you serve, when you do something for somebody else, don't do it so that the accolades will come back to you. Do it for the sake of them to be blessed. That the only agenda that you have is to be a blessing to other people. When you do that, it makes you bigger and it makes you stronger. If you and I are going to experience the more life that Jesus wants us to experience, the more abundant life, we have to be strong in spirit. Because if you're not strong in your spirit, you will not have the bounce that you need to, in life. You'll not have the resiliency that you need. How do you become strong in spirit? You pray how often? Every day. You spiritually feed yourself and then you do what you serve 
When you do that, I promise you, promise you, you'll attract the strength of the Holy Spirit at work in and through your life. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful this morning for the privilege you give us of spending time each week in your word. Thank you for the family table. Lord, we don't take it for granted. We are very appreciative that you lay a table before us each week where we can come and feed and eat and partake and gain strength in our journey with you. And I pray that each one of us, Lord, would know the challenge that you put before us today. Lord, it's a good challenge. You want us to be strong in spirit. So I pray that each one of us would, would take our prayer life to another level. Lord, for those of us that not, maybe at this point, set some time each day to pray. Let, let this be the challenge that will move us forward in you. For those of us who are just learning how to feed ourselves spiritually, let us take that step and begin that process. And Lord, help all of us to be engaged in serving other people. That, Lord, we will put to death our selfish self and let the life of Christ be demonstrated through us. Take this word. Seal it in our heart today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.